welcome once again to Stargirl Podcast. This is Lizzie, and I'm here with Angie. And we are here to talk about episode three, which is called Icicle. Uh, which I, I like, I have to say, I'm still really, really enjoying Stargirl. What about you? I'm super enjoying it. And I like that they're continuing the trend of focusing on one of the like major characters every episode so far. Yeah, I'm like, and I'm also excited to know that we're not going to continue focusing on the villains for the entirety of the season um, mm-hmm. because the next episode is called Wildcats. So, oh, you looked that up? Yes. Oh, <laughs> you're so responsible. I'm so glad one of us is on this podcast. Wildcat, like, aren't you excited for next <laughs> week? <laughs> I didn't realize that was next week. And now I'm kind of freaking out. Oh right. my gosh. <laughs> So yeah, so let's get through this episode, which was really good. It was a good episode. Um, but if you've listened to Angie and I before, you know we've been looking forward to Wildcats since we started this podcast. Exactly. And it was hard to follow up, I think, on the heels of the Stripe episode, which was so good with setting up the family vibes. It was a really good follow-up this episode because it was focusing on again one of the villains and basically like I want to say he's the head honcho of the entire injustice society what did you think Lizzie I I think he was always supposed to be like I feel like that was the vibe they gave in the pilot um but yeah like if he wasn't at first he clearly is now Mm -hmm. um Especially because it, you sort of get that vibe when you get backstory on, like, the main villain and the kid. And, like, they're making the world safe for the mm-hmm. kid. And then the dying wife is like, this is what you got to do. All of that, you know, s- sort of screams this is the main villain. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that opening scene for a sec. Because I don't know about you, but while I was watching it, I was like, this is very much reminding me of the beginnings of Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. Right. So with the mother dying and um, having her like last words, only her last words were (laughs) quite dark. Right. I mean, (laughs) it it, it started out fine because she starts it up with make it like the world safe for our boy. And then she's like, if anyone tries to stop you, you know, you can do whatever, basically. Yeah, she says, destroy them. And I was like, oh, those are famous last words. That's setting up a lot of drama. And it also sets up um, Icicle's revenge quest in a way. And we know that that's kind of what he's been doing ever since. Right. And it also sets up because the kid is in there and we see the kid grown up there. And I, I know we talked before about the fact that one of this, the Injustice Society, one of those kids has to end up being not as evil as the parent because, come on, this is TV. Um, Somehow, I don't know why, I feel like this might be the kid. Mm -hmm. You know why? Because he draws flowers. Right? Because he he covered up the word that I'm not going to mention that was written in the lockers. Mm -hmm. He's he's sweet. Right. That's like the... I, we get like two really sweet boy characters in this episode. Um, 
for one of them, it doesn't end well, but oh, for yeah. Cameron, he's a very, he seems to be so far just like a sweet guy. And if Courtney's going to have a potential flirty situation with a character, I'm glad it's someone like him so far, at least. Oh, but like that'll, that would also set up some sort of Romeo and Juliet kind of thing. Like I would, I honestly would still take uh, Courtney and um, Jolanda first, mm-hmm. but whatever. <laughs> like if I was like, I guess I, this could be a second option. Um, mostly because I like Cameron. I like what we've seen of him. And considering his dad and considering his grandparents, I don't know how he's a sweet kid. Yeah, how did that happen? And also, he looks so dramatically different from the rest of his family, too, because the rest of his family are, like, you know, super posted boy of Aryan culture, basically. Like, they look very blonde, very white, and he, you know, has dark hair. It's very, like, apparent just on the surface level how, like, different he is from the rest of his fam. Right. I'd even say he was adopted, but he's probably going to end up having power. So I don't think that's where they're going with it. Um, mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. If he's adopted, I I doubt he can just bring on icicle junior powers, whatever. Um, and But this is the second kid of someone from the Injustice Society we've sort of met and sort of been like, ooh, are you going to be evil? And I will say I do like him more than Henry Jr. Um, oh, you remembered his name. <laughs> right? Yes. yes. That's I, almost, I almost wrote it down in my arm. I was like, what was that basic <laughs> ass name? Henry, yes. Henry um, Jr. Henry okay. Sr. Right. Gotta remember that. Yeah, and Henry is also, like, the star football player. So I'm sorry, but, like, we watch a lot of TV. The star football player has more of a chance to end up being the bad guy than the kid drawing, like, flowers over. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. Did you think that, like, when you saw, when you first saw Cameron, like, teenage Cameron, did you immediately connect him to Icicle, or did it only connect to you at the end of the episode when, like, the dad comes in for the hug. Um, no, I did not connect him. Um, I think I might have read that he was playing Icicle Jr. Because I don't think I was surprised at the end. But there was no way to connect such a sweet kid. I mean, I guess they could be going for he's a sweet kid and then he'll turn. Mm-hmm. But he really came off as a sweet kid who apparently had a thing for our future wildcat. So is, is it weird that like as soon as teenage Cameron came on the scene, I was like, oh, that's that boy from the beginning because they have like the same dark hair. Like I was purely making speculation <laughs> from just hair, <laughs> but it worked uh, out in my favor. I mean, we haven't really spent as much time as I'm sure we will after this episode with the people at Courtney's school. Like th- there's been a lot in Courtney's family dynamics enough that I, I gotta say this because I noticed it and I wrote it down Pat is now calling her court like mm-hmm. nicknames and everything oh, the oh. relationship has progressed so much they're so cute and you know I, what can, can we just talk about for a second about like how he's just encouraging her to be a teenager and right. <laughs> he was like yeah. you know like text tweet 
do your homework. Like, he clearly doesn't know what teenagers are doing anymore, but he's trying so hard to encourage her just to, like, do normal teenage girl things. (laughs) It was so sweet. Like, and I don't think she'd really appreciate what he's trying to say till probably much later when she thinks about what she should have done. Um, But, like, she's in a very different position than most superheroes out there because she has a parental figure um, Mm -hmm. there to support her. And not just a parental figure that has to stay on the sidelines like Barry, who's basically the only one with a parental figure. Um, But, like, Barry has to stay on the side. uh, Joe has to stay on the sidelines with Barry. Um, Pat doesn't. Pat literally, like, it's like, no, 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 you're not going out there alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think uh, we talked so much about Pat in the other episode, but I also <laughs> just need, I need to talk about, like, my favorite Pat moment of him telling Mike to get a paper route. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is, like, so it's not even, like, an 80s nostalgia thing, because he was talking about, like, donkey kong and dig dug but it's not even that it's like that's like 50s nostalgia telling your kid to get a paper route i i just I yeah just so much it, it felt very small town as well but like in general bad like the obviously he's doing better with courtney now but like it feels like the balance with his other kid with mike is like like, soon it's going to make or break because Mike, like, you can't be, like, on top of him one second and then the other second just, like, I need you to go. Here's 20. Go do whatever. <laughs> so, yeah. Something's got to give there. Um, but can we also talk, like, I know we've talked a lot about Pat, but, like, can we also talk about Stripe in general and, like, how smart yeah. Pat has to be to create that thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I mean, it takes... He kind of like really gets into action this time uh, or in this episode. And really, he's the one who saves. He's the one who saves the bus, not Courtney's. What right. do you think about that scene? Right. I mean, I like, yes, he's the one that saves the bus. And I like that they're, they're sort of working together, even, even though they're still figuring out their kinks. But I was really shocked that they went dark, as dark as they went so quickly. Like episode three. Um, I was like, wait, what's going on? Like, did they really do that? I Yeah, I, was... I, yeah they, they, like, hit, like, Joey got hit by the car, and I was like, oh, it's fine. He'll just be, like, in the hospital, and then it was like, oh, no, he died. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, and, like, I know this is supposed to be a DC Universe show, even though it's airing on the CW as well. Um, but it's not Titus. Uh, it's not that level of dark. So I don't know why that they went there so quickly caught me by surprise. Yeah, I think it's this is how the the situation becomes real for Courtney, but also for us as a viewer, because we see what happens to a character who was as sweet as Joey, who just like, you know, came up to Courtney and wanted to befriend her and just like he had such a light, fluffy kind of personality in the episode, and then something so dark happening to him, and then his dad dies too. Right. Um, what? But I, I think that part was all about setting up um, Icicle as the big bad. Like 
he's worse than the rest of the injustice society. And we sort of like, I think we sort of had an idea that um, he was or that the first one that we met wasn't like, um, because from the beginning, we sort of saw that he didn't seem as committed to the cause um, as maybe brainwave as, as the rest of the injustice society. Yeah, and um, what's interesting is that earlier there's a conversation between Jordan and William, and William says he's the one that took care of Brainwave, and he's the one who, like, cleaned up the situation after everything went down 10 years ago, right? It was, I'm pretty sure that's what he said. So it's not, it seems to me, like, even though Icicle is clearly the main man in charge of the Injustice Society, I think there's going to be some turmoil amongst them because you can't just, I mean, I know they're villains, but you can't just kill one of your members without, like, talking to everyone about it, right? Or Like, right? Right? <laughs> like at least take a vote or something. I don't know. Like, I guess if you're, like, a society or something, I don't know. Um, right? You're right. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I wasn't re- expecting him to die either. I wasn't expecting both the kid and the father to both die, right? And like, um, the, there's a shot in the episode of the mom, like the wife, at the end, and I'm like, what is she gonna go? Like, if I were her, I'd be like, does she know? Like, she had reasons to suspect a couple of things, but like the shot felt a little bit out of place for me. It wasn't just like, oh, she's in pain, which she is. It was like, what? Why are? Why am I getting this shot now? Is she gonna do something? Like it's, it's because you never know with superhero shows who's gonna come out for revenge from where. That's true. I think you're talking about how she was like sitting on the stairs, right? Right. Yeah. 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 That also that also stuck with me too. And there was, um, I think, in the previous episode during the open house night, how she comes up and like introduces herself to Pat, and they have like. Yeah. a friendly conversation i you know that kind of sets up conflict between right. those two characters potentially i don't know because why else would they go other way to introduce her to pat right especially if yes she was going to be out of the storyline completely and then that brings up an interesting point because what we've seen so far from the villains is like the sisterhood of middle middle-aged white men mm-hmm. um, so I mean, I mean, so can we get like a woman at least? I need a shirt that says the sisterhood of middle-aged white men. That's amazing. Oh my goodness. I, oh my gosh. You have completely derailed any of my thoughts for the rest of this. we have fun in this podcast so yeah i i think i'd like her to just get in there and like bring a woman into it um because i mean there's just too too much too many men around and then the whole speech i I was gonna ask you as well Mm. uh there's a whole speech about like many immigrants like many immigrants like yeah Oh my gosh, I, they really like honed in on the fact that Jordan's parents are immigrants. And so like his plan is to rebuild America. And I still have no idea really what his grand plan is, but um, I don't think it's going to be good. 
Right, but like also like how tone deaf. Like I, I think the show was trying for it to be tone deaf, but oh, also sure. especially tone deaf considering the world we live in. Um, it's just when when they went like many immigrants. I was like, are you for real? Have you like looked in a mirror? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, not like many immigrants. Oh like, yeah, no. I think that, I think that was on purpose to be like. Right contrary to the reality of our world no no yeah i agree i think that's what the show was going for um i just hope people take it how it is it's almost a joke yes yes i i 100 agree with that and that whole scene where he was talking about him like wanting to rebuild america i like that barbara actually gets a moment even though I don't want her to get a moment from Jordan because he's clearly a psychopath or sociopath, probably both. Um, I do like that she does get like props in her workplace and she's, you know, invited to meetings now. Just like, you know, we want to protect Barbara on this show. Like, please uh, get another job, girl. Yeah, she's going to end up in the middle of it. Like. She, she's going to be like the admin side of the Injustice Society and she's not even going to realize it. I do, I do like that her priorities are intact. Like she does choose dinner with her family first, but then once that doesn't work out and she like goes to the meeting instead, her family doesn't like gripe on her having to miss dinner. Like I like that they that the show is like respectful of the fact that she's like a working mom. Right. What what I sort of was missing was sort of the conversation after Pat and Courtney missed dinner the first time. Like, mm-hmm. I get that Mike was there and Barbara was there and Courtney and Pat were not. But, like, what happened after? Like, what was the conversation? Because, again, I think it's super easy for Pat to be like, look, Courtney did this and I was just trying to reach out to her. Like, the fact that it's the two of them together that are disappearing makes the excuse so much easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're going to get, maybe they didn't want to trot out that um, scene yet where she confronts them about what happened because we're going to be seeing more of that later as they continue to go off and do superhero stuff, either that or we do know that like some scenes had to be cut for the CW, so perhaps that, that was one of those scenes. I don't, I think I read that only the first two episodes were longer so this oh, is the third okay. episode. So I maybe it's a scene that they did film. And like you said, um, maybe it's something that we're going to see later and they just don't want to bring it out now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was sort of like I, I was waiting for the confrontation and it didn't come. And I was like, Barbara had every right to be like, hello, I was I could have done something like big at work, like gone to a big meeting and I didn't. And where were the two of you? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, going back to her boss, Jordan, um, it's really interesting how he's seemingly manipulating everything from behind the scenes. And I wanted to I wanted to ask you what you thought about there was a line about how he said his wife was sick because of a toxin. Yeah. So do you get do you get the like impression that perhaps there's going to be an environmental 
message happening, kind of like a Poison Ivy storyline where, like, toxins kill this person, therefore we have to, like, rebuild America to make it cleaner, perhaps. Like, I don't know. I'm kind of just, like, spitballing here. That might be interesting. I hadn't thought of it. When when I heard that line, somehow I ended up sort of tying it to Dr. Midnight because I don't know why I sort of thought it might have something to do or it might be something that he thought might have had something to do with... I mean, because Dr. Midnight is the one that's there with the potions and, and sort of, like, uses a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know why I thought... It, it was all going to tie back to the JSA. Like, mm, that would that would be really interesting. Um, because, like, it seems like a really personal revenge thing. Um, there, there is this level of, yeah, we're going to rebuild America, whatever. But they all seem to, like, it's like they're all grown men going after a girl. Um, and because she's got the staff and whatever, but... Um, like I said before, the sister of middle-aged white men uh, <laughs> have this problem with, like, the new generation. Um, also, probably because they haven't been able, they haven't wanted to pass down whatever it is, the injustice society to their new generation, which I assume will happen at some point. Well, speaking of sisterhood of middle-aged white men, um, we saw the headquarters of the Justice Society we in this did. episode, which is oh my gosh, it was really exciting. I thought all of those banners and like displays of relics were really powerful because that art seemed like lifted straight from the comics. Right. Each of those banners looked like a comic book cover. Right. And then I, I also like the whole point of that scene is sort of for us to get a sense of Courtney and then like the beginning of something else and uh, but I was also thinking as we um, we saw them at headquarters and then Courtney came back at the end for everything I was like oh my god poor Pat he went from <laughs> one teenager who does not listen to him to like four teenagers who will clearly not listen to him he just became like the babysitter of the superpower teenagers oh my god there was a line that Pat said that I wrote down, Lizzie's going to love this, because he said, they were my friends, my family, really. And I was like, found family. Right. Lizzie's going to love that line, because we've been talking about found family now for many episodes. Oh, And I just love how there was an item for each member right. that Courtney then stole. <laughs> right. Um, like, I also think, uh, in regards to what you were saying, that we've sort of sort of and the show really has focused on pad losing starman but like because we haven't gotten enough backstory but he sort of gives you a little glimpse at the fact that he lost his entire family and yes he mm-hmm. might have been closer to starman but it is possible that he became part of this group of people because like when we see in that first scene of the season we see that they all know him um and then he lost his entire family in one night so, like, I, I think that now after Courtney makes the decision for him that she is basically going to recruit a team. She's going to create the DC version of the Avengers. Um, and then with high school kids, there is only one adult around. With like, And then I, I can just imagine when she shows up with her friends 
all of them dressed up and Pat's gonna be like oh my god oh my right. god because there's still that conflict where he was like no we're not doing this and Courtney's still saying but this is our destiny someone died so we have to do something and he's like well no all my friends and family basically died so there's I think there's gonna continue to be that budding of the heads until she finishes her secret recruiting of the people right um i think he tried to go with this common thing in superhero shows this message that look this life is dangerous so you should think about it but courtney isn't thinking about it because courtney isn't like really stopping to think about anything in general yeah i mean that's that's Courtney for you, though. That really, <laughs> yes, just that's that's our girl. That's this main character. Um, I wanted to talk about briefly the owl. I think we talked about on our Doctor Midnight episode how the owl was named Hootie in the original yes. comics. Um, I didn't realize that the owl was just going to continue to wait because. Oh. He or she doesn't know that Dr. Midnight is dead. Like, I thought I was going to start crying, honestly, because that's animal storylines always get to me. It reminded me of, I don't know if you watched Futurama. Yes. But okay. The episode. I know, I know where, exactly what you're going to uh-huh, say. Yes. Uh huh. Seymour Fry's dog, who waited for him all of those years until the dog just died. It just stayed waiting outside of the pizza place like that's one of those tv episodes that like makes me cry no matter what and the owl reminded me of that like just you know animals they are too pure like we do not deserve animals i I agree i agree i think and then i i i guess that's gonna be part of episode five episode five is called our man and dr midnight um so i assume like I, if I were Courtney, I would also start with Wildcat, not just because she's thinking Wildcat, but because she's thinking of this girl who she already more or less knows, um, not that she knows anyone, but um, she sort of talked to Yolanda at least for a bit. And so um, I, I know we're going to get Wildcat in four, um, but... I, is she just gonna go around like giving like priceless artifacts to like random people? Like, like she's Oprah and she's just dispensing gifts to random kids at her high school. You I, get a pen and you get a lantern. <laughs> right. Um, it, it, it's hilarious to me because we got Icicle is episode three, then Wildcat, Armin and Dr. Midnight, and then episode six is called The Justice Society. It's like mm. they are going to get the Justice Society back up right away. That's, ooh, that pacing is going to be interesting. Right. Um, I don't know. I um, do like that um, That they showed her taking the pen because it. we see a second generation already in the JSA comics of... Um, Hakeem Thunder. So I hope this is a vehicle for us to continue to get more young people of color who are superheroes. I agree. Um, I also wanted to ask, have we seen... um, Because one of the things that's bothering me here is that we 
have sort of seen the the teenagers around but like it's hard to like like be like oh you're so and so you're gonna be so and so at least at the beginning mm-hmm. um but we have seen um the new iron man right at the the boy i think we have i'm just trying to pinpoint him and i can't um and we do know because when they cast him they announced that his name was rick tyler so he was actually the son of the original um what yes um rex tyler the original hour man and like it's because conveniently he's at the same school as courtney conveniently obviously um but like i don't know if we've seen the kid um oh the kid also- version of our man no the son of the original hour man who i assume is going to the same school as courtney because he will end up as a new hour man uh oh i should have looked this up because his name is rick tyler like i swear to god i looked him up but all the white boys look exactly <laughs> the same to me so i just like like i don't <laughs> i don't know if they he's do. been around in the background or what okay hold on <laughs> okay so i don't know why i thought cameron was going to be one of the JSA, like it was already confirmed, but it's not. And you're right. It says that there's a high school student as Rick Tyler, who you're right, is the son of Rex Tyler. Yes. I don't think we've seen this person. Thank you. <laughs> At least I one mean, that's noticeable. Yes. Please, you you can, you're welcome to come tell us on Twitter if we have, but like, I really don't remember him. Was there, um, an, was there a guy at their lunch table? I think so, maybe, but, like, I only remember the girls. I think if there was a guy at their lunch table, it could potentially be him, because that would make sense, because she would be like, oh, I've hung out with these people, I'm getting to know these people. But she, you get a super relic. You get a super relic. You get a super relic. (laughs) Like, Carmony, like, a little, like, like, I know you don't have any friends, but it's like, oh, yeah, I sat with those kids once. So they're clearly cool. They can be superheroes with me. Like, what? You know what? Courtney doesn't have chill. We know that. Like, she's just going to go for it. Let's be honest. Right. And then she's not going to ask Pat, who has all the chill. So (laughs) obviously, yeah, that's going to be a thing. Um, But like that, also that high school, like four budding superheroes. How many budding villains? Because Cindy is also well, like you got Icicle Junior. Well, I don't. We don't know if he's gonna be in, end up being Icicle Junior. But I'm just gonna call him Icicle Junior. We'll call Brave, him after now. It works. Right, Brave Wave Junior. And then you got Cindy is supposed to be the daughter of Dragon King. Mm-hmm. So we're like, ooh, that's that's cool. It's a bit problematic. And she's already. I mean, Cindy's already acting like a villain because she's. You know, spray painting bad words on a girl's locker. That's not cool. So, right. So, yeah. And then those are just like the big ones because we got a bunch of smaller roles. Um, Have I made a comparison to Buffy yet today or recently at all? So, So (laughs) go for it. I'm ready. I got it. Um, Buffy, like the reason that, the show explained why there were so many 
demons and vampires, bad guys, etc. Because they were situated on a hell mouth. It kind of reminds me of that. Like, for whatever reason, Blue Valley just attracts supers, whether they're supervillains or superheroes. And perhaps that'll get explained or perhaps it won't. (laughs) Yeah, and it's interesting because, I mean, we know that JSA is going to be sort of reborn here. In this town, in this, I don't even remember what um, version of Earth this was after Crisis. I know we had a number. I don't remember the number. Um, and our Flash is dead. So the JSA it will be every everything there is. We already saw Flash's death, which also brings mm-hmm. an interesting point. The JSA is going to start again. We saw the Flash banner. They're all dead. Will we get mm-hmm. another Flash in this universe? Is right. A- yeah. How do you how how do speedsters work in that universe? Because you like, yeah. And then it, <laughs> it's you know what's interesting is if you end the Flash the show and you wanted to have another show with another version of a Flash, you could do it through this. Yeah, I'm just trying to remember. Usually, in the Flashes origin stories so in the Barry, the CW Barry there was that particle explosion right so it's not like it's you know getting it's not a speedster trait that's being passed down genetically or anything right it's just a freak accident that happens is that consistent among the different flashes because I'm not gonna lie I'm not a huge flash comics mm. person so I don't really have that knowledge but I don't think so I think um, there are He's just a metahuman. Um, um, but like I don't know if they all the metahumans in the comics. Yeah, I don't I don't remember much. Um, I think there are continuities where the metahumans did not come just from that. Hmm. But that is a lot of comic knowledge. I, I I will admit never to have cared as much about Barry Allen in the comics. Me too. Um, this is one of those times where we would welcome listener feedback, please. Yes. Um, In a respectful way, of course. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know. This is something we can research, but you can also tell us. Um, and it's interesting because, I mean, it's a TV show. They can write around it if they wanted another version of The Flash. They, they can mm-hmm. give it whatever reason. Um I'm just finding it interesting to think that they could basically reboot anything they wanted in this new um, continuity on this earth that Courtney is on. Yeah, and that's going to bring, again, like, there are so many storytelling opportunities now because of this show. It's just unreal. Right. It's... It's the beginning of something else. And I think they have done such a good job in general with the show. Not just with the vibe. We've talked about it visually. Um, I've, I've seen comments online and people have noticed. Not just how grounded it feels and how much heart it has. But how much it looks much better visually. Like they put a lot of money behind it. Which I'm sure they didn't give the other CW shows because... Like, they could have gotten better wigs to begin with. <laughs> well, you're right. I think that they... 
I think the powers that be are viewing this specific show as an investment for the DC TV future because there is so much opportunity just from the premise alone of setting up a new universe. Right. Um, so this is the beginning of something. Um, Stargirl can, after a while, continue on. And then if you get, for example, if Wildcat does really well, if any of the other JSA members does really well on the show, you could conceivably give them a spin-off. And then have sometimes crossovers where the JSA comes together. Oh, speaking of crossover, I read... Well, I mean, I did the bad thing of where I only read the headline and I didn't take the time to read the article. But <laughs> Brecht, did a, Brecht did an interview where she expressed like how she would want to do a crossover with Supergirl. And I think we were talking about that, about yeah, how... We- like, how much that would make sense to have like that sisterly connection similar to like bombshells and then you can bring in Barry and it would be really cute but yeah I think people are already talking about it yeah and like I we know we're not gonna get it right away so it would have to be probably second of third season of Stargirl which is probably good for Stargirl to sort of find its own way and before they're trying to try to do something weird because every time you bring Barry something weird is gonna happen um, (laughs) with the timeline so before all of that happens I sort of want um, Courtney and Pat and and Jolanda and like all of them to to have their moments um, together and then like it feels the end of this episode I think I don't know if you agree feels super exciting it's like it really when does. The, when the episode ended, I was like, can I get the fourth one now? Please. Right? It sucks to wait. I hate it. Especially when it's like the team is going to like, that's all like in Wildcat. That's all we've been waiting for. Oh, next week. Uh, right. I know, we- I know I already make a lot of high-pitched noises on this show. It's just going to be like constant. We're going to have to call each other early and just scream for five minutes straight and then push record (laughs) because it'll just be unintelligible. People won't want to listen to it. Right. Um, So, yes, I think uh, we're super excited for what's coming. And the defining moment of this um, episode was, I think, Courtney walking out at the end. It's like basically like I'm going to get myself a team it doesn't matter what Pat says, but that's basically her mood the entire time. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. what Pat says. It's just that Pat's going to have to deal with it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Poor dad. Poor dad. So um, I think I'm, that's pretty much it for this episode, unless you have something else to say. No, that was it. I think I um, I praised Pat enough for one episode, even though this episode <laughs> was focused on Icicle. <laughs> but I did my job. <laughs> We are um, a Pat Dugan Appreciation Society around here. <laughs> so, yes, um, you can visit StargirlPodcast.com. Sorry. You can visit StargirlPodcast.com for all the latest news about the Stargirl show. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Stargirl Podcast as well. You can also subscribe to Stargirl Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. And while you're on Apple Podcasts, hit us up with some five-star reviews. And don't forget that we are part of the DC TV Podcast Network with podcasts for all the DC shows at dctvpodcast.com. 
Follow the network on social media at DCTV Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Last but not least, please subscribe to our mega feed on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. We also have our own T Public stores. So if you're interested in DCTV related merchandise, click on the link in the show notes and get some awesome gear. Uh, it does support our network so we can continue to make these podcasts. And of course, if you have any questions, thoughts about Stargirl, you can email us at stargirlpodcast.com or you can hit us up on the Stargirl Podcast uh, Twitter, which is at Stargirl Podcast. Perfect. See you later. Bye.